Hello, friends, and welcome back. This is Aging Ungracefully. My name is Afra, and uh, and yeah, it's it's been a week since we last spoke, and I hope in that time period you have been able to find some peace, some quiet, some relaxation, and just some general downtime for yourself. I know for myself, I took a week off work, and man, did my nervous system need that break. Oh, I just feel like I'm able to breathe now. Um, prior to taking time off work, I was really starting to feel like overwhelmed and super snippy and quite bitchy and just like ready to fight everybody. And I usually know that like that's my – that's once I hit that point, I'm either on the precipice of burnout or um, I'm just going to become – an evil tyrant. And rather than have both or either or, uh, I decided to take some time off and I'm so, so glad I did. Uh, During my time off, I spent a lot of time in nature, hiking, planning, manifesting, sleeping, reading, hanging out with friends, and just enjoying life and all that life has to offer. And I'm just so so grateful for it. And of course, as always, it's never long enough. I could have taken like easily a month off, but I'm I'm hoarding those days off so that I can take some some longer time off this summer and spend it with some loves of my life out in BC. So, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to to be going back to work, um to see and work with my team. Um but I'm just so fucking glad that I was like, nope. <laughs> and I noped all the way on to vacation and I have I've had a few text messages while I've been on vacation that are like work related that I've literally been like, nope. <laughs> like, nope, don't talk to me. Don't. I'm not answering this. Uh and that feels good because I have no obligation to and it's been wonderful. <laughs> it's been wonderful. Um, and yeah, my birthday was fantastic. My birthday weekend was fantastic. If you haven't heard the last two episodes, please go check them out. If you are like, nah, I'm good. That's cool too. That's that's cool. You know, live your life by your own adventure. That's, you know, what we're all here for. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been a really good chunk of time to just be with myself. And after everything that I've spoken about in the last few podcasts, just about the craziness that's been going on in my life, I was really, really, really grateful to have just the few weeks of, or sorry, a few, like a week and a few days of just some downtime, some decompression time, some non-obligation time. And it was absolutely freaking wonderful. Um, And in saying that, because I was able to have some downtime and some decompression time, I was actually able to work on the podcast more. Um, I'm still shite with GarageBand. I'm still shite with editing. I'm learning. I will get better. I know I will, but it is taking a minute. (laughs) Um, For somebody who can like edit film quite easily and make videos quite easily, you put me with just sound and I don't know if it's my attention. Like I just buzz out and I'm like, nobody's home and everyone's knocking on the door. Um, but I'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get there. So I'm hoping today when you listen that you'll have some grace with me and my ungracefulness of, of editing and, and, you know, putting this podcast together for all of you to hear. Um, with that being said, because I had more time to plan, we have an entire series coming up. There's going to be some guest hosts throughout this next few months. 
um, which I'm very, very excited for. This month, I really want to focus on, you know, sex, sexuality, uh, gender identity, understanding oneself. Uh, you know, what's your kink? Who knows? It could be feet. Either way, let's talk about it. So I'm really excited to get the opportunity to kind of explore that in the coming month. Um, and today, I'm really excited for you guys all to hear all about being queer. So you'll hear me talk about it in throughout the recording of this episode that I myself, I identify as a female um, and I identify as like pansexual and uh, I'm usually like I've, I, this last two years I've been in a monogamous relationship at the decision of the relationship, people in the relationship, uh, the conversations that were had. Um, but I have been polyamorous or have considered myself ethically non-monogamous for several years prior to. And so you kind of get to hear a little bit about that. Um, you'll get to hear a little bit about it from my guest side of things. And I'm just really, really excited for what's to come this next few months and to hear your guys' stories, to hear your feedback and to hear, you know, what you took away from this. If you took anything away, uh, if you want to be a guest some of the episodes I have coming up are all around sexuality and sexual preferences and gender identity and, um, you know, the just the way in which we, we've evolved in, in just general society in the last 20 years to just be talking more openly about these things than we ever did. Uh, when I was a child, we did not talk about these things. When I was a teenager, it was still very, like, not a common practice. Um, so I would love if you guys want to reach out, you can do so at aging.ungracefully.podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on the Instagram, which is also aging.ungracefully.podcast. Um, and I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to see if you're interested, share your stories. Um, and, and yeah. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy my guest today, Josh Riley. Hi, friend. Uh, <laughs> it's lovely to go through it like in person, like go over it before you start recording and then actually do it. Then it's just kind of weird. Um, Hi, friend. <laughs> hi. But it's so great to have the opportunity to have you on the podcast. You've been such an incredible support, and it's an honor to get to chat with you today. And thank you for all of your love during this like crazy transitional time of me doing something that's like so exciting and something I'm so passionate about. You've been supporting since day one and I'm so grateful for you. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you. you. I, I'm like, I've been waiting for something like this from you for a long time. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And also, you know, like it's, I gotta, I gotta have, um, I gotta hear your voice weekly now. And it just, it's, it's great. It's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Mm, thank you. I, uh, I've, you know, you've always inspired me when it comes to like your artistic creativity and like how you just ran to Toronto and like chased your dreams and figured your like what you wanted out for yourself and you're still figuring that <laughs> right, out for like, yourself. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you're like, it's not ending. <laughs> but like, you've always inspired me by everything that you've done, not just in like your for yourself, but in like the arts community and just like how you continue to like chase those things for yourself and so starting the podcast and just getting you 
like being like, Hey, you're doing so good. Or I super love this or sharing your story with me has been like one of my favorite, favorite parts of doing this whole thing is like hearing from you and like getting to connect with you more because of it. So thank you. Thank you. Really though. So <laughs> really though. Um, so we, you know, you listen to the podcast, you know what this is all about. I really want to hear your story today and talk to you a little bit more about, you know, your life and yourself and from the title of the episode, which is Ungracefully Queer. I think it's just important, like starting out to understand a little bit about you and how you identify and your pronouns. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I am. I am a they them. <laughs> um, okay. It's It's been a I feel like I've been identifying like internally as non-binary for a really long time, but the language just hasn't really been there, nor um, was there really an opportunity to figure that out. I know that in the little brief, you're like, so growing up in uh, Wataskwin, and uh, that definitely <laughs> wasn't a place that, that fostered um, like fostered and nurtured queer identities. So um I thought I had to be a very specific kind of way for a long time. And I put mm -hmm. myself in a box. And then as I have like just lived my life and learned more things, I was like, actually, this is, this is how I feel. This is, this is how this works for me. And I get to decide and I don't have to listen to other people or uh, seek their approval. Um, this is this is this is my life this is me this is how i identify and there's how you look on the outside mm -hmm. and how you feel on the inside and they're two completely different things um so mm -hmm. yeah there's there's yeah i it's i love that i love that i love that you you can even hear it in your voice because i mean we've known each other for a hot minute <laughs> um, <laughs> I think like fifteen ish years because we didn't meet. Until no, after we high we we well yeah really... like we you re I remember you telling me stories of me when I was like five or something like that because we lived. Yes, because you lived behind me. Yes, in like yeah, and then we didn't find that out until we were like what twenty, like nineteen twenty. Like I think your your stepdad was the one who was like, yeah, we used to live there. I'm like, that was That's, you. Yeah. Yeah, so we've known each other for a long time, but yeah, didn't, didn't, um, uh, it's like, what year did you have that, that, the, it was like a little Ford Fusion, or no, it was a Focus, the oh, two door. Oh, yes, the, the Ford the Focus. Yeah, the two door. Oh, <laughs> Lord, that would have been over uh, 10, 10, 12 years ago, like probably closer to 13 years ago now, which just like makes me slightly want to vomit. Um, but yeah, so about 13 wow. years. Time. Time, right? And I think too, like when we started off, we weren't, we initially were introduced by a third party. We didn't even like just accidentally me growing up in a super small town like Watask when you'd think we'd just like bump into each other and become friends but that was not the case I just moved back from Vancouver and our mutual acquaintance was like I think you guys would work really well together because you do makeup and he takes photos here love that. <laughs> I love it it worked out well it did but I'm like we, did, we didn't even work on anything creative <laughs> no no but there's still time and we're finally yes. doing it it just took like right? 15 years uh, how... 
Yeah, we used to just go and and chill in uh, the Tim Hortons parking lot in Wetaskiwin and talk for hours. Hours. (laughs) Yes. And do you remember that time we got Domino's pizza and like drove out to the bush and just like sat in your car in the bush eating Domino's pizza? I I don't. I've blocked out the pizza (laughs) part now because I'm like lactose intolerant (laughs) and I'm like... I'm like me eating pe- no one needs that trauma flashback. i'm like oh how did my body handle that then but yes <laughs> the things that we used to do things that people do when they're from a small little, little community absolutely so like what would you say your your like experience growing up in a town like Wetaskiwins you've kind of touched on it a little bit is like finding your identity mm. after you moved from Wetaskiwin but like what was that experience like for you like you know kind of knowing who you were but like not being able to be as like out and open about it um it was very isolating it was very isolating because it's like the guys don't want to be friends with you because for some reason they think that, you know, you're going to like try to sleep with them or touch them or like, you know, I'm like some sort of disease. And I'm like, I'm just a person that wants to have like friends. Um, and then, you know, it's like the girls were cool to an extent, but like, you know, I'm still a boy. So and then that also came up a lot with um, growing up with my sister, just being like, oh, like, these are my friends. We're having a girls' night. You can't, like, partake. And then when I did, um, <laughs> she'd get very mad at me. Um, so, yeah, it was just a lot of the time it was very isolating. It's like people kept you at a very specific, like, distance. Like, you could be close but not too close. You could hang out with us, but, like, we don't want to invite you to the parties in high school. You know, also, it wasn't a very safe place for me to go out because I think the only time I actually went out partying was safe grad. And then and then um, I almost got beat up. So... <laughs> Well, and like Wetaskiwin in itself, and I guess anybody listening who's not from Wetaskiwin could maybe garner a little bit of understanding from this. It's a very small town. It's very rural and it's very conservative and not just like politically leaning conservative. I mean, like conservative in like value. It's it's like you cannot go outside the box. How dare you even think you can color outside the box? Like it's it likes I don't want to say it likes to keep people small, but it because of the like dynamic and the community itself and the Tumble environment, the um, especially yeah, like it's it it keeps people small because of the fact that there isn't a whole lot of opportunity there, and like there's this constant joke in Wetaskiwin that like you either come there to die or to like start a family and there's no in between like you people don't live there to enjoy it like they live there it's, to it's survive a, it. it's like a vortex um, like i just know uh, th- this i feel like this is what i was worried for you i'm like oh no you came back like and you're living here like i hope that you don't <laughs> stay in Wetaskiwin and then and then you finally ended up getting to edmonton i was like okay good like <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, I I think coming back from Vancouver, so like a large part of my experience was was when I moved to Vancouver under starting to understand and and get a grasp of who I was. Um, Because growing up in a community like Wetaskiwin, like you had kind of mentioned, like, 
you you kind of don't fit anywhere when you are not a straight person, like, or at least an outwardly, I, I like a passing straight person. Because like, I would say that I was never straight. Like, I don't actually don't remember a time where I was like, I only like boys. Like, I just, it was people like I could, I would meet people and be like, I like you. Like, it was just a natural thing. But I couldn't even say that until after I moved out of that town. Um, because like you had said, like there's, there was, I, for one, did not have to experience that fear or threat of violence because I was never outwardly open about it. Um, and also because like people already typecast me because I was brown. So it wasn't really something that I ever thought of, of like having to worry about like who I loved and how that would affect me. Um, but moving to Vancouver where it was like, I mean, Vancouver's so loud and proud and open about like the queer community and what exists there for people. Um, and I know a lot of people who moved from Alberta to Vancouver because it was more open and you could really be yourself. And that doesn't mean that there suddenly was no longer a threat of violence or a threat of like typecasting or a threat of like that conservative like rhetoric, but that you could just be yourself a little bit more open. And that's usually hub cities. Like you can usually be a little bit more yourself in a hub city because there's just more people um, and you blend in. Whereas like a small town like Wetaskiwin, it's like you stand out no matter what. And so like what would you say was like the time for you in which you started to realize and identify that like maybe you weren't straight? Maybe you weren't like, you know, how everybody had kind of projected on you to be. Yeah. So the like the the earliest thing, like honestly, as, as early as I could remember um, is is like when I was being treated very differently. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> so did you know... <laughs> That you weren't, like, necessarily was, leaning towards, like, you know, being straight, so to speak? Um, well, also, I, I was like, trying to... Okay, so um, one of the main factors for me was I was getting tutored by this lovely lady named Margaret. Um, she... she was very accommodating with like the fact that I am like my brain functions very differently is wired very differently. So um, getting the care that I needed for that, but at the same time um, having a lot of like religious uh, like her be <laughs> like a religious like um, influence from her. So, the, you know, I was like, oh, it's okay. You're just a little feminine. Like, boys, there's different kinds of ways of being boys, and that's totally okay. But as long as you're, you know, like, trusting and reading and believing and pursuing the word of God, you know, um, while that was happening, I'd be, you know, getting uh, pushed around on the bus, getting called feminine or... There's this one kid in the neighborhood that used to throw darts at Fucking me in the wintertime. Uh, I'm just like, that? I'm like, a good thing I lived really close to the hospital because if I actually got you know, a dart in my fucking leg. But also, then, like, you know, just, who's giving this kid over darts? There. And, like, what's your fucking, like, what, what is your, what are you gaining from that? Like, I mean, kids are assholes, but, like, what are you gaining from that? Like, other than making somebody else's life miserable and losing a few darts. Yeah, it was. I yeah, it was just like like when I really go back and think, I'm like, okay, there was like that incident. There, you know, pe like it was constant 
mm-hmm. constant bullying and, and harassment. And I was like, no, I'm not gay. I love mm-hmm. God. Like, what is this? Um, kindergarten, this one kid would always shove me in a locker. Oh. Like, it just wasn't fun. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. But, um, yeah, like I said before, it just kind of, it's, you know, you kind of know, you kind of figure out who you should be friends with so that other people don't really bug you. So if I befriended all of the girls, then, you know, their boyfriends would leave me alone or, uh, I know all the dirty secrets cause they're yeah. confiding in me, you know, it's just, you know, you kind of have to play your cards right. And it's, that's one of the parallels that I have with, with my partner, James, cause you know, I, I, I mean, I think when I was a lot younger, I was a, a lot more flamboyant, but then I was able to, I guess, like, code switch for the environments that I was in and on. Absolutely. Well, and that would make sense, right? Because, like, where we grew up, it wasn't necessarily safe for you to be fully transparently you because of the fact that, like like you said, like, befriend the girls so that the, the guys would leave you alone, but also, like, if it wasn't the the kids that were our age, it was also adults. Like adults I found were like worse for it where we grew up because it's like the kids would kind of like emulate their parents for the most part, right? But like there were times where you're like, you'd become friends with like a group of people. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but I remember experiencing this was, and it had nothing to do with my, my sexual identity or anything like that. But I had become friends with somebody and I went to their house and their parents were literally like, oh, like we don't usually like let native kids over at our house, but it's okay because you're cool. Like you're, you're really well behaved. And I was just like, thank you, question mark. And so I can only yeah. imagine being your, you being yourself and like not being able to change this thing about you. And then having that, those very similar experience of showing up somewhere and being like, we're not okay with your lifestyle, but I guess you can come inside. Like how did, was that something that yeah. experience you had? Yeah, well, I mean, more, like, in very strange ways, it's like, oh, like, you can have a sleepover with our daughter because, you know, we we don't really like gay people, but we know that you're not going to, like, do anything. And she likes you, so I guess you're okay. Uh... You know, like, like, that. And then also, oh, like, you're the gay best friend, but that stuff didn't really register to me until, like, after, I think I was like, I started working at the home hardware warehouse, which is one of those places where people go to die. You know, you just, you just work at the home hardware warehouse until like, no, my stepdad is, is somebody who has retired (laughs) from, from the home hardware warehouse, worked there for 35 years. So I, you know, I got my in there, but, um, I think it was around that time, 16, when I was, I created like a plenty of fish account and like took some like sexually suggestive photos and like was trying to like, I'm like, am I gay? Like, can I, if I sleep with somebody, maybe I'll figure it out. But that's also like against the word of God. Um, And then when I was 17, I actually did, um, follow up with uh somebody in calgary brooke let me borrow her car and i drove all the way to calgary went on like a date lost my virginity and i was like fuck i guess i'm gay <laughs> i guess like, but like i guess my so something that you've like mentioned a few like twice already and something that's like 
I know in my own experience has been a huge part of like holding myself back and in like expressing myself sexually and like as I am is religion. Do you feel like religion played a huge part in in kind of refrain like restraining you from being wholeheartedly yourself? And does it still like are you still a religious person? Um, I I feel like it's the thing that I'm just like religion and spirituality are so intertwined, but the way that religion has just like fucked, um people of color and queer communities it's like you can only be this if you exist in this very specific mm-hmm. way and and i'm like i i believe in a higher power i believe in multiple ways of expressing your spirituality and like your love to god or whatever god is you know like the indigenous communities for one have a very beautiful relationship with yeah, spirit <laughs> um <laughs> and and it's it like you know there's never like i'm like land back like let's uh <laughs> you know let's solve the problems of the world by you know finally mm-hmm. listening um whereas like you know like the catholics own all of the land like and you, 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 so yeah. like i don't know connect the dots y'all connect the dots you can you can, you can connect there's also google there but yeah, I feel like just um, through separating myself and trying to like figure out what, because it's it's like one of those really important. It's like you have your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. You know, all like, and if you're not tending to all of these things, or if you're not taking time to figure them out, then you know something is thrown off balance. Okay. Um, well, that's like such a huge part of like adulthood that we don't talk about or getting older and or aging in general and part of like the ungraceful experience so there we go sound clip but um you know like part of the ungraceful experience is also like learning that all of these avenues of your life need to be like fostered in order for you to thrive Mm -hmm. and if you're not fostering or you're avoiding one thing other things kind of fall to the wayside um i know from myself in my experience with like the church um i wasn't I wasn't a super Christian child. Um, my parents kind of allowed us to explore what we wanted to as small kids. But then as we got older, it was very like centric into the church and I was very Christian. And that 100% kept me from expressing my identity as who I truly was. And it kept me also from loving people that I wanted to love. Like there's like, I recently told this story for yeah. like the first time to a family member of mine, but like there was a girl that I was like, in love with as a young person um and like her and i secretly like hung out made out kind of dated i guess i I wouldn't consider it dating by standards (laughs) today but completely had to keep it secret she's married with kids now you know and Mm -hmm. like we had to keep it secret because of like where we grew up and how we grew up and the fact that we're so heavily involved for myself i was so heavily involved in the church like you know this story but like I was going to be a youth minister. There was no part of me that was like running to Vancouver right out of high school initially because I was like, I love God. And then I was like. The influence <laughs> of Butasquid, like it's actually insane. I thought I was going to be a pastor at one point in yeah. time too. Like, it's it's crazy. Wow. And you're right. It is the influence of Butasquid because I don't think I necessarily would have had that same experience growing up in a larger city hub. But because like the only way to belong in community, especially as a non-straight identifying child, was to be part of a church. 
like if I wanted to belong mm-hmm. somewhere as like some like a person of color and then also like a non-straight identifying child, it was it was some somewhere in community and that was the church. And the funny thing was is I would I think that that was more toxic to me being fully myself than anything else. And I'm not saying it was the religion. It's well, part of part of it was how the religion was portrayed to me, not the belief itself. Yeah. Because I think that <clears throat> the the way that we I grew up anyway was that it was portrayed to me as a very like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, live your life only by this set of rules. And like as I've gotten older and experienced mm-hmm. different avenues of like belief and sp- faith and spirituality, it's just like ain't nobody got it right. Like, ain't nobody perfect and nobody has it right. And so like, you really have to, like, figure out what works for you, whether that be your spiritual identity or, or like, a more religious identity. But regardless of those things, it's, like, live in alignment with yourself because there's only one of you. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess, like, my next question, what are some of the benefits? I mean, we've, we've kind of shit on Metasclin, but, like, what are some of the benefits that you found – um, growing up where you did and, and helping you find your identity and community. And did you find that in Wetaskiwin or did that come after? Um, so I'm going to rewind a little bit for some history. Um, I actually, like, we, w- so my family went to church up until I was five. So I had, like, the experience of, you know, Sunday schools and then, um, I actually was, I grew up in Millet and then after my parents divorced, I then moved to Atascoin. Um, but, um, my, my, so my dad would follow my mom around to whatever different church community she would go in and basically like make everybody dislike mm-hmm. her. And then, then we kind of just stopped going to church. So then it was the influence of Margaret, my tutor trying to get me to go to the Salvation Army Church, which was a bunch of old people. But she taught me, like, biblical things through Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and, and C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. books. And I was like, this is this is this book in the Bible. But um, then, I, then when I was uh, a little bit older, um, my sister's best friend, her parents were going to a Seventh-day Adventist community. Mm-hmm. and or church and then that's how we got involved in the seventh-day Adventist church and that's actually when I started to feel the best because the, like everybody was older than me everybody was like way more chill I wasn't getting like called faggot and like you know I you know and then I was like I'm like oh this is kind of like a cool like fun interesting way of trying to be and explore like masculinity like there was this thing called gym night and we would just go and like play airsoft and like in the gym and like there's lots of cool things and activities that we did so I was finally able to feel a part of a community but then when I realized I'm like I'm different and I'm like I have a crush on so-and-so and like I'm very codependent and like um with like trying to have like relationships with people that are actually nice to me. Like then it just, I was just like, this is, you know, cause I didn't really have friends. I didn't, de- I didn't know how to establish any genuine connections. Cause it's like everybody at school, like it wasn't until like grade 11 or 12 when I, you know, people that I had been friends with for 
years, I was like finally connecting with them. And, and some of those people like, well, actually it's like, there's only like one or two people from high school that I actually still talk to, but they are also extending the, the, um, like the hand, like they're also checking in on me more, actually more so than me checking in on them, which is like, you know, something that doesn't happen very often in my life. But Wetaskiwin is a beautiful city. <laughs> city, lol. <laughs> hole. It's a it's a beautiful hole in the ground. No, I'm kidding. It is. It is actually. You know, I I go I go home regularly now that I'm I'm in Alberta, and I do drive through the town and just like have these memories of like feeling very safe there, like in some ways, like not safe in a general mm-hmm. sense of the word, um, but like also like. Safe in my yeah, car. Yeah, like safe in my car. Safe in my car driving <laughs> But like in the way that I grew up, like I was able to have some really mm-hmm. like wholesome and then non-wholesome experiences in that town because it was so small. So there wasn't as like as terrifying as it's not the same now. Um, but there's like I don't know if it's better or worse because it was getting worse it was, when I left. It's bad now. Like it's not it's not a great place now. Um, unfortunately, and that has just a large part to do with how the city has chosen to deal with the houseless crisis and the addictions crisis in that city. And like they they, yeah. they just don't look at it, right? Like it's just sweeping it under the rug and and like let's not pay attention to it because it's uncomfortable for us. Sounds like Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's such a it's it's so unfortunate that we as human beings cannot just be human human beings to each other like we can't just be kind to one another and we can't just like do what's best for like the community as a whole it's always like the certain percentages of people that were like we can appease these people so we'll do it um which is yeah. just so unfortunate but but <laughs> speaking of toronto how would you feel that you how would you say you've kind of found yourself moving to toronto like what was like the biggest kind of culture shock to you coming from a small town where you had to really be in a box to moving to somewhere like toronto so okay, so um, I I keep on like this image or no this 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 video keeps on playing over and over in my head. It's like you know when Bambi is like stumbling all over the place, and it's just like that is like just that slow motion from like age five all the way up until like now. Each leg is like physical health you know, mental health, spiritual health. I don't know what the other one is right now, but like, you know, it's, it's like you go through these different transitions of like working on these different things and then trying to kind of like make them all work together. I feel like I've finally, like, I I now know more who I am. Like, like I've been able to find community that loves and accepts me uh, to, to a degree there's always, you know, there's always little bits and, and things here and there. Um, I started, or I, I'm one of the founders of this arts collective. It's called the Root Collective, and um, we 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 um, we started in 2016. And through that, I was able to just meet so many amazing queer people. One of the biggest issues with Toronto is like the the gay nightlife is catered to just like gay white men and then we saw that there was a need for a party that was a lot more inclusive and we wanted to highlight like people of color and and queer people of color and their their arts and non-binary and trans folks um so through 
like being actively involved in community and trying to create spaces. And that's the other thing too with Toronto is there's never a consistent place. Everything is constantly changing. There's so much gentrification happening. And I think that this is the other reason why when I go back to Wetaskiwin, I feel the same thing that you do. I feel safe because everything is like basically the same. Like I know exactly where the, the, the no frills is. And then Grandma Lee's I know is still open, you know, bean coffee shop is probably still there by um, the Kim's car wash, (laughs) you know, like all of these things just, it's just so refreshing to see that it's like, okay, this is like a slow paced thing. And I'm in such a fast paced city and like, I need to do like literally a thousand things to um, make ends meet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, and I have to have so many, like, I, I've developed so many different skill sets just so I can, I'm like, okay, I, I, I went to photography school, but I'm a graphic designer now. I'm a producer. I'm a stylist. I'm a videographer. You know, I do all of these different things so that I, you know, I'm like a one-stop shop for, for people if they need something. And, and also I try to, it's really hard, but I, re- I try to m- make as much of what I'm creating focused on queer people and marginalized communities and all of the intersections in between because those there's so much beauty there that has yet to be showcased and seen and supported and you know so i i'm i feel very very lucky that i i got out (laughs) (laughs) escaped but like I like, and we love to see it, right? Like, I think that that's something that I always love to see about kind of what you're doing. And when we do have the opportunity to touch base and catch up and see where each other's at, which isn't as often as I think it feel like it should be. But when we do have the opportunity to like connect, listen, the podcast has made me feel so. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I know Afra's like, you're not catching up with me, but I'm like, oh, I get to sit down with Afra on Monday morning. And like, you know, before, after the yoga and drinking my tea or like driving around. But, and it's so cute too. I know I've told you this, but it's so cute. Like I'll just be, I, I have a hard time getting out of bed, you know, depression. Um, but if, if I, I, I hear James on the other side of the house playing your podcast and, I, or like I hear the little intro and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, I'm like little, like little, little bits of sunshine. And you, you, you've always been this like pocket of sunshine. Oh, you're so amazing. I, I'm so happy that you're doing I'm this. I'm not going <laughs> to cry. Like these aren't tears. Like I just did my <laughs> eyeliner and it's fucking like sharp as hell. <laughs> Thank you. you didn't get waterproof one you should know we usually cry together so like i was saying i what i love is that i have watched you grow from like this this i wouldn't say you were ever like meek um, but i would say somebody who was like really finding themselves and trying to find themselves in in with Asquin and and in a smaller community and a more um, small-minded, I would say small-minded community. And then seeing you move to Toronto. And I remember like the first few years you were there, like it was like, I want to say like an uphill battle, but it was literally like through the trenches of like dealing with shitty people, like dating some equipment of shitty people and like trying to get your 
footing oh and like trying to figure out like who you were and then kind of like stumbling through that and now to look at you creating so much incredible art um and like i i mean I've been watching you living through you like vicariously some days, just like expressing yourself and finding yourself. And that's so, to me, that's like so incredible. Um, and like for you, like what you've expressed so far about finding yourself in regards to like knowing that what you need to nurture yourself, like your Bambi, you know, reference, which I love, by the way, um, someday Disney's going to sue me, <laughs> but like, you know, I love that idea and like that, that visual because it is, it's like falling and stumbling and you're, you still have your fawn legs, you have your baby legs, you're still figuring it out. Um, speaking of like your baby legs, all the way into your 30s. <laughs> all the way to, and it doesn't stop. Like I just turned 33, as you know, and it, no. it, it's just genuinely, I'm like, man, am I back in my early twenties? What is all of this shit that's suddenly happening in my life? Um, but like now you have the, like, I have the tools for my twenties to like not be the same crazy bitch. Um, but like speaking, <laughs> speaking to like, you know, kind of where you found yourself, you've mentioned your, your sister a few times, um, and a little bit about your family. What was it like for you? Um, like how did your family react when you kind of started to identify and was there like a huge, like coming out moment or was it just kind of like. <laughs> they already knew and it was just like honey <laughs> like we know um i i yeah wow how let's let's rewind okay so grade like i said 17 is when i lost my virginity um that's when also, I was like, fuck, like, good right? Good for you for not getting, like, murdered or, like, something. Because, like, driving to Calgary to meet somebody you met offline at 17 and going through that experience. Like, I I always, I want to know so much more about that experience for you. Gay? Well, I mean, I don't really, I'm like, yes, I, I live the gay man experience. This is the confusing thing about being non-binary folks is you 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 still live certain experiences because of the way you look mm. but they're uh, so it's like then i'm like being also yeah being somebody who is male presenting and is attracted to males we're fucking risky as fuck mm. like like the the shit that i've done and the shit that i know a lot of other people have done like yeah i'm surprised i haven't been murdered <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a very different podcast. I do love me some true crime. In, so like, <laughs> in, oh my god! But also, yeah, it's like the 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 catfishing, the the, the scamming. You know, mm. it it happens. It happens. You just you just get a little bit better. Um, and also the fact that there's you know resources like. Um, aging ungracefully for people to tune into and be like, okay, these are, you know, these are things that you need to be aware of. Like you have, you, you, you also like develop um, the, the grinder smarts or the, the gay boy smarts where, you know, like this person's a scam, mm. the right kind of conversations, you know, it, I've been literally chatting with, and chatting and looking for like ass and dick <laughs> <laughs> via via apps for like over a decade now so you know um you 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 get better at it and you get better at uh gauging what is and isn't um safe mm -hmm. absolutely <laughs> absolutely so we had we were we were kind of um you know you talked about your your first experience but we were talking about your family <clears throat> like how did they react yes getting 
Right. Um, so at that night, because I borrowed my sister's car, I gave her a call and I'm like, I just had sex with somebody. I think I'm gay. And she's like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> that's, that's you know, that's fine. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you. It's okay. So it was, it was great with Brooke. Um, and then I was like, I don't know how and when I'm going to tell my mom. But then there was a bunch of like family health issues. Like my mom had sciatica. She was in and out of the hospital waiting like spine surgery because she had a bulging disc, which was causing the sciatica. My stepdad had a stroke. Mm. Um, and then I was like, I need to get a job that I can pay for things just in case. So I got a job at the hospital and was making the most money I think that I had ever made in my entire life. It is like, I'm like, I'm working all the time. I'm getting paid 17 bucks an hour. Went up to like 19 by the time I had left there which is, like, unheard of even now, which is ridiculous. Um, and then, yeah, I remember having a conversation with my mom one night, and she was just like, I'm so excited for you to, like, find, like, like the girl of your dreams and, like, get married and, you know, like, you're going to be such an amazing husband and, and father. And then I just started crying, you know. She's like, what's wrong? She's like, we're talking about good stuff. Like, what's what's going on? I'm like, mom, I don't think it's going to happen though, in the ways in which you think. And also, I don't know if I'm actually ever going to find love. Because mm. I didn't think that it was possible, you know, the way that I had been treated by just, like, literally everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm like, nobody, nobody ever really um, wanted to get to know me. Like, actually get to know me. Um, and that's also, you know fast forward to moving into the city is is it's even there when you're trying to find like community and connect with people we're all people that have dealt with a lot of trauma especially the queer community and then throw in the intersections of being a person of color and that you know it's it's hard to you know like actually connect but my mom was like that's okay are you sure and I'm like, I think I'm sure, but the gag for me over time is I, I, I actually identify as like, I guess I would say pan, mm-hmm. pansexual, even though I haven't um, done all the experiencing that I would like to do, but also why rush mm-hmm. things? Why rush things when it's not the right time? I love that you said um, it's like the gag for you. I totally, <laughs> <laughs> you live your whole life as I, you know, it's funny that you say it because like, I, I think the same way kind of similarly, like, you know, I've mostly dated men, predominantly been with men. Um, but like, especially now um just kind of like on a, a bit of a break a hiatus in, in my relationship of the last several years I'm just like do I like men have I liked men I was like well I know that I'm pan because like it's never been like a male or female thing but because mm. I you know because of where we grew up and like the, like again the the more conservative nature of Alberta it was also just like I can't like really experience that's the, the side of me that like is more attracted to women because of a, B, and C. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it is like a bit of a gag because you go go through this whole life where you're experiencing this one gender, or you're experiencing this one interaction with one gender, or primarily one gender, and then you're like, "Well, fuck!" Like, <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. That's not the only feeling. And and I am more just attracted to people. And what I do love about you is that you see that I see that in you. Like, I've been around you before, where I'm just like, you can connect with anybody. Um, and that's what like, and then. <laughs> 
that's that's that and that's the funny thing it's like it's like i i'm like i feel like i another beautiful thing about film as you know is you spend a day on set with somebody or you're like doing pickups or whatever with somebody and you're best friends by the end of it but then you never talk to that person like unless you're on the same job again so you know yeah also being an empath you know you're we're a lot more um able to go yes. there being able to like be a little bit more vulnerable and open with other people and like also just like picking up on things with somebody else like picking up on their cues and like what they're doing and you know how to how to work with them I feel like that was my favorite thing about working in film was the fact that I could become best friends with somebody and like we were only like around each other for like however long the project was and then it was just like projects over peace out bean sprout um you know, friends yeah. on Facebook where we'll still never talk to each other. We'll occasionally like each other's posts. Like it was just, it's, it's such an interesting experience. <clears throat> but then leaving like the weirdest, like little impact on each yes, other's lives. Yes. Well, and then like every, something like huge that I talk about, I mean, on the podcast, but something that like made me start the podcast was it just takes a hint. It takes a drop of someone else's story to entirely change your perspective in your life and like to traje- trajectory yeah. of your life. So you were yep. saying like you you kind of like expressed to your mom like <laughs> that I don't think it's going to happen the way that you think it's going to. Was there like mm-hmm. oh, was it tough? Was it hard to like for you guys after that to kind of figure it out together, or was it like? I, I think after three mm-hmm. months, after three months, I was like, well, and this is the thing. I was like, well, I do. I'm like, this is the thing. Like, uh. Oh, I'm like, how do I like blurt all of this out at the same time and like make I have people who don't know what I'm talking about understand? It's like, I'm like, I still had crushes. Like, shout out to uh, Steph, Stephanie. Um, she was a year ahead of me. She was, anyways, I had a big crush on her. Um, and uh, I was like, well, I have a crush on Steph, but like, I don't, I don't know how the rest of that's all, all is all gonna work. But as time's gone by, I'm like, I am not, I'm not just gay. Like I'm, like we said, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm attracted to, you know, the right vibes and that's, 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 that's the way it is. Also, uh, so back Mm -hmm. to my mom, um, she's just asked me a couple more times. Are you sure? Are you sure? Literally by the third month, I was like, no mom, like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. And then um, I was a little more act, like actively trying to like I was I was kind of dating this guy for throughout most of grade twelve, um, and then um, then I started seeing this guy that was way older than me. Oh my! I remember God. that. I remember that. I remember being told this about this person, and I remember being like, uh, okay." I'm pretty sure you and my mom had a conversation uh, too. I mean, your mom, my your mom is my bro. Like, <laughs> you, my, your mom and I are homies. I know. Like, <laughs> like it's <laughs> right. So every once in a while, like, yeah, I just like had a really great chat with Afro this week. I'm like, of course you did. Of course you did. You know, when I become friends with somebody, I don't just become friends with that person. I become friends with their whole family. And if they have a no, you become part of the family. Like, <laughs> and if they have a parent that is just like awesome and and willing to like talk and grow and and be involved and i'm just like look (laughs) you are also now my friend my mom is my best friend for like full transparency my mom my mom is like even even like 
Yeah, I <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that like we're dealing with in in our relationship right now in, in terms to like my queerness and my identity is like I guess trying to refrain from like referring to me as a boy. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I just you know, little gentle reminders because also myself included, like any of my more masculine presenting non-binary friends, I will accidentally say he. Mm-hmm. And then also a lot as as the years gone by, like lots of my friends that were identifying as they them are now actually transitioning to trans tra- like trans femme. So th- every once in a while, I catch myself. He no, they no, she they like you. It, and it's fine to be graceful with your like give yourself grace in the process of getting things mm-hmm. wrong. Um, don't take it personally. And also, don't like be overly apologetic about it. Be like, sorry, I. All right, let's move you, on. You know you what know? I like. I was actually going to ask you: Is there any <clears throat> advice you would give to some like young baby angels about, you know, how to approach necessarily like coming out? But like, what something that you just said like kind of smacked me a little bit of like, don't be overly apologetic about it. Like, I know that for me when. I started being involved in a community that used people's pronouns. Um, you know, it was like, I mean, I grew up in a small town. It wasn't like I, I didn't want to use them. It was just so new to me. And it was just like, oh, yeah, like I can learn that. I can adapt to that. I can do that. That's not a problem. But then it's like you slip up and like all of a sudden there's like shame. Like you put your shame hat on and you're like, I'm so sorry. And then you get overly appalled. And then it just makes it fucking weird for everyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so like you would said, like I think just – and and also just that, like you, I think there's a lot of beauty in like you being graceful with your mom about, you know, tiny loving reminders. Um, I think there's nothing scarier to anybody who's learning to expand their worldview than being wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and that's really important because if if whoever whoever you're talking to can't acknowledge, you know that then then there's that's a little red mm-hmm. flag it's a little red flag yeah, absolutely absolutely uh-uh. i completely agree is there any other like advice you'd give like love like young baby angels about finding their identity and figuring out their sexuality or sexual identity um t- just be careful with yourself and also it's like i don't know like most people know their circumstances better than anybody and nobody does like also the coming out is so caucasian <laughs> <True>. like, <laughs> um <clears throat> like so many people aren't afforded the luxury of coming out like i feel so lucky that i have such a beautiful relationship with my mom um where i literally you know i'm also poly and my mom knows that and i talk to my mom about my partner my partners she doesn't always get it but she's like i'm here to listen and like whatever makes you happy makes you happy and i see you doing all of these things and and still being filled with joy and figuring out your life so you know i'm <clears throat> i just feel yes throw back to religiousness i feel blessed that i have the mom that i have and i and i don't ever want to take that for granted um Throwing it back to when I was first coming out, there was a situation with my sister where I was like, wait, are you going backwards on me? Um, There's like, and this is the thing with small communities too. And also people that are more generally in like heteronormative 
relationships is like the the homophobia is still like very deep rooted like one of the things that um was uh, a little frustrating uh was i don't remember what the situation is but my sister was like since you became gay you're a lot more sassy and i don't like it like something along those lines and then my my like my mom was like She's like, where is she? I want to slap a bitch. And I was like, mom! <laughs> We've come a long way since then. But um, and um, but also, it's just sometimes it's like we all are trying to go like navigate this. Oh, another thing too. It's like one of my one of my one of my best friends, and I growing up, and I think you know who that was. I um wasn't able to go visit them. Because the boy that they were, the their fiance, I don't even remember what the, they were like really, really like intertwined as a couple. And he didn't want me to come. I wasn't allowed to sleep over. I wasn't allowed to be inside the house because I was gay. So it's like, you know, you have these kinds of, th- those are the kinds of relationships that I was having when I was younger too. And I'm like, I, I like, I can be treated by shit by my best friend's. Um, because their partner is homophobic and they're not dealing with that. So it's like, you know, like you have to be surrounded by people that are actually willing to do the work. And sometimes it takes a while to find that. So. Well, and I really want to like hit on the fact that something that you just said is you mm-hmm. have to. And you have to do it yourself because it's willing to a lot of that is work. Like it's, it's just. For me, the, I guess the biggest turning point in my queerness was in fourth year of, of college, I was working on um, a photo series and it, it was about like understanding the queer community in, in more of a, a, a larger sense and, and understanding like the privileges that I had as a, well, at that time I was identifying as like a gay man um, and like I'm obviously a white person, so um, <clears throat> navigating, like you know, m- m- managing or not managing, but like being conscious about like the space that I take up when I am like in places that are more specifically for like black folks or people of color, and um, just being mindful because it's like literally everywhere else could be my space. And that was a little hard for me to digest at first because of where I grew up and how I was treated. But then also that gave me the perspective I needed to be able to empathize and, you know, understand that it's like, no, like, I don't, not everything is for me. And it's fine. Like, it's fine to take a step back and be like, this is, Mm -hmm. this is not this, like, this is not a space where, you know, um, like it's not that important for me to be here because this is more important for somebody else. And, you know, it's important to understand the selflessness of like letting other community members experience community in a really authentic, genuine, safe way. Um, And throwing events um, where safe space is so crucial and so sacred and so hard to come by. um, It really kind of forced me to take some really good long hard looks at at um you know <clears throat> the privileges that I hold and that I have and how um also how to leverage things and make things better for myself and the community um yeah and then through through 
the Rude Collective is how I got introduced to my partner, who then introduced me to the ballroom scene. And the ballroom scene is a whole beautiful, like, just... <laughs> so I'm going to pause you really quick here. For for our listeners who have no clue what you're talking about and are going to assume that you are waltzing in pretty dresses, can you, I mean, kind of part of it, but like, can you... You want me to waltz them in the right direction what of what ballroom, ballroom actually is? is? Like a brief... Um, yeah. Okay. So the <laughs> yes, ballroom please. scene is well, it was, it was um, created by um, black and and brown folks and trans women. Um, I like it started off like pageants and like balls, but like they were organized by the community because there was no space for queer, black, brown, trans folks to go. Uh, and then it got, it became more popularized in like the eighties. Thank you, Madonna, for your contributions. Um, she did not invent, but you know, she did help shed some light. Uh, another really good resource if people are like wanting to know more is Paris is Burning that gives you like a little, uh, taste of, of what the ballroom scene is about. And it has a lot to do with, um, family and like coming together. It's almost like church, but in like a very strange and m- more intense way because you have your different houses. So houses is literally like your family. And then um, the balls is where you get to um, express different, you get to showcase different expressions. That's probably a better way of putting it. So there's like a runway category where people get to strut their stuff on the runway uh, according to whatever the the category listing is. So runway category, there's face. You get to highlight your face. If you have like great bone structure, you know, you're gorgeous. You have no pimples. I'm lacking in that department right now. I've got a little blemishes. Um, there's body to celebrate all different types of bodies. There's sex siren. You know, uh, it's, 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 it's been life changing. It's been so life changing. And it's also allowed me to understand more about who I want to be and how I want to express myself. And then also allowing myself to foster the strength and courage to be more visible. Um, cause I would hide behind my camera, um, and just not want to be seen. <laughs> <clears throat> but I walk the all-American runway, mm-hmm. uh, or I walk, my category is runway and I walk all-American, which has also been interesting for me because um, when I started a ballroom, I didn't identify as non-binary. And as time's gone by, I feel like my category has almost been like holding me back, but also not at the same time because I'm like, I want to I wanna master this the best I can. But it's basically like male model runway and and if people don't know what i look like i'm six foot three (laughs) i'm six foot three six foot four six foot five with boots on you know are you really are you really that tall yeah i'm 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 like i'm i always forget myself too i've only like sit next to you a hundred times and never notice how tall you are my long limbs gliding across the 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 runway floor at the balls <laughs> when it happens is it's it's um it's fun i want to 
Oh, one of my other favorite categories is bizarre, where like you get to create like the strangest, weirdest costume. You basically get to like whatever's in your imagination, you get to create it depending on what the category listings are. But anyways, I could go, I could literally, you, you, you could do a whole other podcast uh, episode on ballroom and not even scratch the surface of like <laughs> what it fully is. And, and, um, but another thing, if people want to learn more, um, pose FX is a great show mm. to watch. Um, uh, I think what's the, what's the creator? Uh, the... Oh, he does, um, Brian Murphy. Yeah. Glee. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not a musical, but there's musical moments in there. But it's a, like the first episode, I literally cried seven times. I was like, this is, there's so many like beautiful things that, uh, you know, if you're not a queer person, um, it gives you a really good taste of what, you know, somebody's lived experience could be like. And then um, there's Legendary, which is now on its third season. If you want like a little reality TV dancing situation it mostly focuses on vogue but then they also incorporate the other elements also voguing performance where you see um if you've ever heard of a a death drop that's not what it's actually called sorry rupaul you you appropriated ballroom culture and you gave it the worst name possible and all the little (laughs) white gays are trying to slam their backs on the ground calling it a death drop it's like no that's called a chiropractor tomorrow <laughs> um but it's called a dip mm. it's called a dip <laughs> and um yeah um perform like a yeah, performance voguing there's there's different ways of doing it too there's old way there's new way there's vogue femme i think most people see vogue femme now but yeah yeah there's there's I- lots I love it. And thank you for breaking that down because it's, it's, I think so important for people to understand what that is and understand like where it kind of comes from and also in ways it has been absolutely appropriated. Um, What I love about talking to you about this is, is understanding how much you have explored the art community and the way in which you have kind of grown yourself. So how would you say, like, I know you've spoken a little bit about the Root Collective, but like, how would you say that your experience as a queer person has influenced your art? Uh, I mean, like, I would not be doing anything the the way I'm doing or what I'm doing if, if um, I was not... <laughs> queer (laughs) i'm like i'd be so fucking boring (laughs) i would be yeah and i'd probably yeah (laughs) i don't even i'm like oh no (laughs) no 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 no. i love that i love that it's also like i feel like you've created safe spaces for other people to also have that experience which is really cool yeah and that's that's the that's the goal like i just i want everybody to be able to have the opportunity if not exploring it their whole lifetime or at least for a taste when they can to feel like they can authentically be themselves and find the proper ways of nurturing and loving themselves and a lot of that is through community and um creating spaces and uh I think for me I've actually put my art on the back burner pre-covid um it was 
like uh, I was working like intensely in film right before COVID happened. And then before that, it was like nonstop stuff for the Root Collective. And I was having a really hard time trying to prioritize like my photography and like my creative directing and um, the the pandemic actually allowed me to um, struggle in my art a bit more and, and mm. I have a whole new body of work. I'm trying to get my website together in the next couple of months. I really want to make a full switch to doing like photo and directing full time. Um, yeah. and yeah, I just, I want to have a, I want to ha- I want to have my own photo book in the next couple years where people can buy. I want to, um, can, I, there's just so many things. There's just so many things I want to do that I actually have to do. Um, uh, I need to learn how to write grants and get grant mm-hmm. money so that I can spend more time focusing on the creation process. And there's so many amazing, talented, like people that I work with. Like I basically have been working with like the, the Toronto queer, um, singer songwriter like just the music scene here in general is insane i know um i sent you 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 mentioned something in one of your podcasts and then i sent you uh serena her album Mm -hmm. and she's she's uh she's um a trans woman here in toronto k toronto and she's absolutely like the the project is i've cried to it many times so many beautiful little messages and self-love like yeah amazing i love it yeah so good just so good i i like listened to her on like repeat the entire afternoon that day like it was just it is just very uplifting and like such an amazing message and such a like a empowerment of like just be you be your good like be your best self like everything will will come together if you're just like fucking authentic and I loved that about what you sent me I just I know I like you sent it to me and I was like I'm gonna listen to this so much and I have I'm not stopped so (laughs) (laughs) listen I can keep I have I have plenty plenty of uh you know I I mean actually uh, that's I already made a decision in my mind if you ever say something on a podcast and I'm like this reminds me of this listen to this you know do it. I'm here for it. I, I'm like, so something I, I kind of like, cause we're getting close to time here. So something I wanted to ask you that I think is we've covered so much and thank you for still being so open and vulnerable and honest and sharing so much of yourself. If, and I feel like that's going to help so many people who listen to this who are maybe struggling to understand themselves or learning to understand themselves or and like even nurturing themselves into some radical self-acceptance. But if you could say anything to like Josh, like little Josh, like the one who is getting unfortunately darts thrown at him, like still fucking rude. But like, you know, if you could say anything to him then where he was in himself to like from Josh now, what would you say? Oh, I'm like, baby, you don't realize you're a baby and the world is your oyster. Um, just do what you need to do to um, love yourself. Like, uh, there's, I spent a lot of time being self-loathing mm-hmm. and a lot of time thinking that I didn't have any value um, or anything to offer other people. And, like, that's basically, like, <laughs> my life now, like, trying to 
just to make sure that people don't feel that way. Um, it's so funny to me how much we tell ourselves that's untrue because I think that – and, like, we will. We always do it. Like, I I also have, like, issues of self-loathing as well. But, like, it's, you know, it's so untrue because you – if everything I've ever known of you is, like, your selflessness is wanting to help others. It is your want to put yourself out there and help those around you and create safe spaces where people can feel welcome and loved and honored for who they are, how they are, and how they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. I'm, I'm like, I wish the little eight-year-old me could have heard that. But, you know, this is this is why uh, things like this and the work that I'm creating and the people that I know and the communities that I'm working in is, is like literally we're paving the way for the next generation of people to just really lean into radical self-love and acceptance and really um understanding that as much as things are individual so many things are community-based and i feel like that's one of the things that so many people have like lost and not really understood and this is why you know with taskman's having like horrible um houselessness crisis same thing with toronto and you know it's just so many people are so far removed but you know we're we're small and mighty, even mm. though some of us are six foot three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, five of us are five foot seven and and like shaped like a grape, and you just gotta live your best life <laughs> <laughs> with the with the with the linebacker shoulders, like you said. Throwback. I love it. I love that you you threw that back. No, I I <laughs> straight up. <laughs> Put me on a football field. I will do it. <laughs> I'm like, I listen to your podcast, Miss Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, thank you so much for recording with me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable. I look very forward to having you back in the future because we did touch on it briefly today, but I would love to explore and talk about more about uh, relationship. Mm dichotomies and understanding of polyamory and what that means to you and yes uh, we'll get james on <laughs> yes i would live for that i feel like that would be laughter for hours and just oh so much God. joy james is <laughs> is a is a sweetheart and like absolutely yeah i'm like he only listens to two podcasts it's like um uh what is it sibling rivalry rivalry with monet exchange and bob the drag queen and like you. <laughs> oh, I'm so honored. That's like, <laughs> if I can be on the same level as Bob the Drag Queen, I will take it. <laughs> Listen, same, same. Uh. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Josh. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.